You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farah of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Psalms. We live by faith. What's faith? The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. God, I don't, I don't see you in this. It doesn't feel like you're being here for me. You don't, it doesn't feel, you know what? Get that word feel out of, out of the sentence. It's not based on how you feel. Oh my goodness, if we lived our Christian lives based on how we felt, what kind of a Christian life is that? Emotions should never be the driving factor in your faith. There may be times you experience God's presence and it touches you emotionally. But as Pastor J.D. explains in today's message, if your faith is based on that, it will rise and fall depending on how life is at the moment. And you'll miss out on the contentment that comes from resolute faith. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the Inspired and Truth podcast or download the Inspired and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Psalms, chapter 119, with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. All right, let's jump in. Verse 137. Righteous are you, O Lord, and upright are your judgments. Your testimonies, which you have commanded, are righteous and very faithful. My zeal has consumed me because my enemies have forgotten your words. Your word, interesting, verse 140, is very pure. Therefore, your servant loves it. I am small and despised, yet I do not forget your precepts. Now this is one of those verses, I suppose, in the psalm that leads many to believe that it was actually penned by David, the sweet psalmist of Israel. Others suggest that the psalmist was not David, and I could see why they would think that, but I tend to believe that it was written by David, especially when I read verses like 140 and with it 141. Verse 142 Your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and your law is truth. Trouble and anguish have overtaken me, yet your commandments are my delights. Remember we were talking about a couple weeks ago, I think it was last week as well, and we'll see it a couple times tonight, but it's where the word but is positioned. And in this case, where the word yet is positioned. Let me explain, verse 143. The psalmist does not say, your commandments are my delights, yet trouble and anguish have overtaken me. Let me reread it this way. Your commandments are my delights, but trouble and anguish have overtaken me. You see how it just changes the whole complexion of what the psalmist is saying? In other words, 
depending on where the word but is, or where the word in this case yet is, it can change the whole dynamic. That's not what the psalmist is saying. He's saying, yes, trouble and anguish have overtaken me, yet your commandments are my delights. As if to say, God, I mean, yeah, I'm in trouble. My life knows nothing but problems and trouble and anguish, and I'm overwhelmed. And it's overtaken me, but, and that changes everything, your commandments are my delights. Verse 144, the righteousness of your testimonies is everlasting. Give me understanding and I shall live. So for the benefit of those who have not been with us in our study through this psalm, in our trek through the book of Psalms, we've been taking it one stanza at a time. Each stanza consists of eight verses and there are a total of 22 stanzas, and in so doing there are 176 verses in this psalm. Each of these stanzas, or sections if you will, correspond with the letter of the Hebrew alphabet of which there are 22. So it is written in what is known as an acrostic form. So we've been taking each stanza of eight verses at a time, and kind of from that looking at what the main theme, or if you prefer the main takeaway is from that particular section or stanza. Here in this stanza, the psalmist is beginning with this painting of this beautiful portrait of the character and the nature of God by way of the Word of God. He highlights the righteousness of God, the faithfulness of God, and then he sort of turns this abrupt corner of sorts, and he expresses his sanctified, even strengthened resolve concerning those who despise God's Word, better understood as rejecting God's Word. It's as if the psalmist finds himself incensed at this notion that anyone could despise the Word of God. To despise and reject the Word of God is to despise and reject the nature of God, the goodness of God, the righteousness of God and the faithfulness of God. Notice he says that he loves the Word of God because it is very pure. It's almost a, an understatement of sorts. In our study through the book of Exodus, when we were getting the details, really fascinating details, of the construction of the tabernacle, there was this one purification process where you would not put anything dirty into it because it would then ruin the purity of it. And such is the case with the Word of God. It is pure. Charles Spurgeon said it best this way, In the Word of God 
There is no admixture of error or sin. It is pure in its sense, pure in its language, pure in its spirit, pure in its influence, and all this to the very highest degree, very pure. So pure, David would say in another psalm, how does a young man keep his way pure? By taking heed to the Word of God. The Word of God purifies. The Word of God is very pure. Verse 145, I cry out with my whole heart, Hear me, O Lord, I will keep your statutes. I cry out to you, save me, and I will keep your testimonies. I rise before the dawning of the morning and cry for help. I hope in your word. My eyes are awake through the night watches. In other words, I am in such turmoil, in such difficulty, in such hardship, I'm crying all the time, and I'm crying out to you, and I can't sleep at night. My eyes find no rest. They are awake through the night watches, that I may meditate on your word. By the way, this is a, parenthetically a solution to insomnia. You know, right? When you, when you, you know how it is that whenever you set your mind to pray or read God's Word, uh, or even sometimes go to church, especially at night like this, to a midweek Bible study. Isn't it true that all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a drowsiness unknown just comes upon you? Just try to, you, you try to, and all of a sudden you start yawning. And by the way, yawning is contagious, right? I mean, God forbid I should yawn. There have been times, I mean, that's, that's pretty bad, right? When, you know, I, I love it when people say, you know, pastor, I'm so sorry. I, I nodded off and I, I, I saw you looking at me and I, and then, you know, then you got loud, as you often do, and then you kind of woke me up out of my slumber. I'm so sorry I fell asleep during your teaching. I say, you know what? It's okay. I understand. Not a problem. Let me tell you what would be a problem. Not if you fall asleep during my teaching. It's if I fall asleep during my teaching. That would be a problem. So if I'm up here and I start yawning, you know why it is, by the way, I'm getting way off. Don't worry, we'll get back to our Bible study in just a moment. But you know why it is that when you yawn and then somebody else uh, yawns, I, I'm, I'm tempted to yawn, I'm, <laughs> just to watch the, this collective yawn <laughs> throughout <laughs> the, the church. But it's actually a compassionate uh, thing. It, it, the, the, the yawning, when you see somebody yawn, and then this reaction that you have is to also yawn, it's actually a, a compassionate thing. Uh, some studies have shown that psychopaths don't yawn because they have no compassion. Okay, let's get back to our Bible study. I know that was deeply profound. I mean, just that little tidbit of information I'm certain was so very helpful to you, and I, I know you're so very grateful for that. 
So, um, what was I? Oh, here, here was the point. Believe it or not, I actually have a point. Um, imagine that. So, you know how it is that when you pray or when you read your Bible, oh my goodness, all of a sudden you're just tired and you're yawning and you're nodding off. So when you can't sleep at night, man, just, I always have a Bible right by my bed. And don't use your phones, by the way. You want to know why? This is another little tidbit of information for you. No extra charge for this. (laughs) So the lights on the screen affect your, um, I guess it's the release of maybe the melatonin or something, the the lights from a television screen or uh, an iPad or a uh, phone. Uh, that actually keeps you awake. It affects your sleep and circadian rhythms. There's something to do with the light and the way the brain, when it gets dark, uh, the brain releases melatonin. That's why when it gets dark earlier uh, during the winter months, you get tired earlier. And when it stays out late, a light later, you're not as tired until it's dark. Uh, I have this whole ritual before I, uh, you know, go to sleep. I mean, all the lights are off. I don't even have night lights because there shouldn't be no light in there. And, and, and then even if I do want to read a, a screen, I have these glasses. You can get them on Amazon. <laughs> this is weird, right? I'm way off. Don't worry, we'll get back again. But um, it actually filters out, I want to say it's the blue light or whatever that light is, and uh, that way it uh, doesn't keep you awake. Because the brain gets tricked into thinking, light, stay awake, you can't sleep. So anyway, all that to say, just read your Bible and you'll have a great night's sleep. Okay, where were we here? Somewhere in Psalm 119. Let's see, I think it was verse 149. Yeah. Hear my voice. According to your loving kindness, O Lord, revive me according to your justice. And then notice verse 150. They draw near who follow after wickedness. They are far from your law. You, verse 151, are near, O Lord, and all your commandments are truth. Concerning your testimonies, I have known of old that you have founded them forever. So this particular stanza really stands out in the sense that it speaks to the nearness of God in the midst of a very difficult and painful trial as the psalmist expresses. And the reason it stands out so much is because Oftentimes when you're in a trial, it can seem like God is distant, or even worse yet, He's just not there at all. I think of that famous poem, I'm sure you've heard of it, Footprints in the Sand, where there's two footprints, and during the most difficult times there's only one set of footprints, And so the prayer, the cry is, Lord, why is it that every time I went through a very difficult and painful time in my life, there's only one set of footprints. You promised me you would be with me always, low, even until the ends of the earth. 
that you would never leave me or forsake me. Yet during those difficult times, there's only one set of footprints. Where were you, Lord? And the answer is, oh, my child, my beloved, the reason why there were only one set of footprints during those very difficult and painful times is because that's when I was carrying you. See, one of the things that the enemy is very successful at in our lives is to get us to think that when we're going through a trial that God is just really not there. And it seems like even our prayers are bouncing off the ceiling, and He seems distant at best, absent at worst. And we're going to be talking about this again towards the end, but the reason we buy into that lie from the father of lies is because it's based solely on feelings. We're basing that conclusion, God, where are you, on how we feel. That's a problem, because we don't live by feelings. We live by faith. What's faith? The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. God, I don't, I don't see you in this. It doesn't feel like you're being here for me. You don't, it doesn't feel, you know what? Get that word feel out of, out of the sentence. It's not based on how you feel. Oh my goodness, if we lived our Christian lives based on how we felt, what kind of a Christian life is that? That's no Christian life at all, based on how we feel. If, <laughs> if I lived my life based on how I felt, I would not be standing behind this pulpit right now teaching this Bible study. Somebody else would, if it was based on how I felt. You know, sometimes I'm just going to be really transparent with you. Sometimes I feel about as spiritual as a toaster. I can use a different illustration if you'd like, but I mean, I, and here I am, I'm, God, I'm just, I'm just not feeling it. You know how we say that? I'm just, I'm just not feeling it. Well, why are you basing everything on how you feel? And here's the other thing, and this is actually the letter that was written to a church that had lost that love and feeling. Sorry, that was bad, but the church of Ephesus. It was really that they had left their first love. And so Jesus has John write to this church, and here's what you need to do. You need to go back and do the first works, what worked at first. That's what first works are. Repeat, repent, turn around, repeat, and do that which worked at first. Well, I don't feel like it. That's not the problem. Do it and the feelings will follow. You know, many years ago, I always use illustrations from the mainland, not here, but when I was... Um, pastoring on the mainland, and I would do marriage counseling. And oh my goodness, I, you know, I'm listening to this couple, this precious couple, you know. They love the Lord. They're just going through a really difficult time in their marriage. And I mean, they're not feeling it, right? I don't feel like it. And 
I would always offer the biblical guidance of just do it and the feelings will follow. It reminds me of a story, a true story I believe, many years ago. This wife goes in to her attorney because she wants to file for divorce. Her husband's just a rotten jerk, just a miserable jerk. So the attorney, a Christian, says to this wife, listen, I have an idea. I want you, we have to, a waiting period anyway, I want you for the next three months, 90 days, I want you to fix his favorite food for dinner every night. I want you to just, I mean, do everything. I mean, be this loving model wife and just, I mean, sort of kill him with kindness and then divorce him. Oh, that'll kill him. And so she's like, yeah. That's not what he had in mind. He knew he probably wouldn't hear from her in 90 days. You want to know why? She started doing that. And one month goes by, two months go by, three months go by. That third month, she is so in love with him because the feelings followed. Feelings follow. Don't follow feelings. Feelings follow. That's what really the psalmist is talking about here, the nearness of God. I don't, I don't feel it. I surely don't see it, but by faith I know it, and that settles it. And why do I know it by faith? Because you've told me, you've given me your word. It's faith in the God of the word and the word of God. It's by faith. We live by faith. Sight is the antithesis of faith. If I see it, it's not faith. And what is it about us innate? within our sin nature, our human nature really, that demands to see. We want to walk, our flesh wants to walk by sight. You know, we we have that saying, seeing is believing. I, I want to flip that around. Believing is seeing. Believing is seeing. How many times throughout Scripture is it believing, then seeing? Unbelief, I don't see. Believing is seeing. Not seeing is believing. That's not faith. Believing is seeing. You believe, you'll see. According to your faith, let it be done unto you. Let me just say lastly before we get to the next stanza. Never interpret the difficult circumstances as the absence or the distance of God. There's a lot to learn from the book of Psalms, and we're so glad you've joined us to sift through it all with Pastor J.D. Farag on In Spirit and Truth. The range of emotions expressed in the pages we've been studying give us an accurate and beautiful picture of our Heavenly Father, the almighty and loving creator of the world. Before we end our time with you today, we'd like to share how you can access more of these messages right now. Simply visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and click on Listen to search through our archive of Pastor J.D.'s teachings. You can even take these messages with you on the go with our mobile app. 
Find a link to our app on our website or search for In Spirit and Truth in your app store. This will provide you with hours of insight into the Bible, helpful links, and access to the latest editions of Pastor J.D.'s Mideast Prophecy Update. In these updates, Pastor J.D. takes a critical look at the news and events happening around the globe and compares them to the prophecies of the Bible, sharing God's views on what's taking place. These messages are new each weekend and will help you put world events into an eternal perspective. These Mideast Prophecy Updates are also available to watch on our YouTube channel, which you can access through our website. Again, that address is inspiritandtruthradio.com. Thanks for taking the time to listen to God's Word today. We pray it's blessed and encouraged you greatly. Pastor J.D. will continue studying through the book of Psalms when you join us next time, right here on In Spirit and Truth.